A Weekend with Jason Dacey Replay from Money FM 89.3. This is our pop culture segment. I'm Jason Dacey alongside Neil Humphreys. That, of course, is the Spice Girls with Mama, a song uh, from a couple of decades ago. And, Neil, it's a very special time Mm. for Spice Girls fans because it's the 21st anniversary of uh, the breakup of the original band uh, way back in 1998. And we're going to hear from you in a minute, but let's uh, welcome in Brian Frog Harris from Songland Records, who contributes regularly here on Money FM. Brian, welcome once again to Weekend Mornings as we look back on the Spice Girls, the 21st anniversary of the breakup. Lovely to talk to you all again and welcome to musical friendly fisticuffs. Look forward to this spot <laughs> all the time. Yes, we always <laughs> like to kind of debate and, and talk about who's right and who's wrong. But the Spice Girls, one thing we can't dispute, they sold 85 million records worldwide, making them the best-selling female group of all time, one of the best-selling pop groups of all time and the biggest British pop success since the Beatles. Now, you are in Canberra, Australia, Brian, and you know how big they are internationally. Just put into perspective the ongoing appeal, especially in vinyl stores, of the Spice Girls. Oh, that's an interesting question, actually. I don't know whether there's ongoing appeal. What we can talk about is when they were created, the impact that they had at the time. I think that um, as much as I love their music, and I do, I love great pop music, and if people think it's easy to write a a good number one pop hit, they're very much mistaken, even though there's been a lot of rubbish around nowadays, but that's a different discussion. But uh, very, very influential with the Spice Girls, and wouldn't it be nice to actually have them reform and do some work? Yes, it would. I mean, I thought, very interesting that here we are, we've got three middle-aged guys talking about the, po- the popularity of an all-female pop band. I find it extraordinary. What kind of a world do we live in where they are the biggest-selling British band since the Beatles? I find that extraordinary. Mm. Outselling Oasis, Jam, The Clash, The Kinks, The Rolling Stones even, but that's another story. Yes, I wanted to ask Brian this. This is the thing I'm fascinated by, Brian, is yep. that they were... A phenomenon. I mean, they were an absolute phenomenon, and you could, all of us could name their songs. We could rear them off to become one, want to be, yeah, I'll tell you what I want, and all that, right, and so on and so on. What I find fascinating, because you said it there about it's so hard to write a pop hit, right? And yet they managed to do it for so long, their songwriters did, and One Direction did it, and Backstreet Boys, and InSync, and all that. What I find fascinating about the Spice Girls, and more recently One Direction, is why is it? The second they become solo artists, their songs become rubbish. What happens to the songwriting? Because I'm assuming they still have the same army of songwriters around them. Is it really literally just lightning in a bottle when they're all together? Yes. Um, look, it, first of all, it's not always the case with the songwriting pool. It, it is in a lot, but not in all cases. And it's an interesting point you raise as to if we actually looked at the, the songwriting credits of the group versus the solo stuff. But it's probably more to do with you know the the initial impact. And 
you know, when we're talking about the Spice Girls, they evolved by a, a management team because of the success of bands at that time, like Take That and East 17. Mm. And uh, so you had all of these boy um, bands that were around, and so the idea came along, hey, let's do a, a girl group. And that's not unusual in the music industry. Over the decades, whenever a fashion has erupted or e evolved, there's always been a male-female thing. In the 90s, we had Garth Brooks, who was one of the biggest sellers of all time. And it's no coincidence that Shania Twain happened at the same time as well. And even on a, uh, a slightly different angle, when Ricky Martin really took to the top, that's when Jennifer Lopez came along as well. Interesting, you know, with, yeah. With a South American mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. sound as well. So my point is that uh, you had Take That, E17, and a whole stack of other little boy groups around. Um, a management team decided to come up with the idea of a girl group on there. And so it was new at the time. We'd had plenty of girl groups in the past, you know, from uh, a lot of the Motown action, the Supremes and the Marvelettes, etc. But we hadn't seen anything like that on the music front for so many decades. The songs were great. And then, of course, we had all of the marketing that went along with it and that idea of girl power. Yeah, that's, that's very true, you know, Brian. It was uh, Melanie Brown, Scary Spice, Melanie Chisholm, Sporty Spice, Emma Bunton, Baby Spice, Jerry Halliwell, who was Ginger Spice, and let's not forget Posh Spice, Victoria Beckham. And for me, it was very nostalgic because they were formed in 1994 when I was in London, and they released their debut single, Wannabe, in 1996, which hit number now, one sorry, just, in sorry, 37 countries. Pause, about, pause for a second as well, because it's something that, that we need to touch on, is that a lot of people in, in the public will think, oh, yeah, you, you know, you just got five girls together, a couple of weeks, you know, learning to sing and dance and then out. But no, as you pointed out there, they were formed in 94, but their first single didn't come around for about two and a half years later. Yeah. And, and to add to that, it was Simon Fuller who put the band together, who was actually part of the Beckham empire until mm. just last month, actually, the, the Beckhams have bought him out. But you're absolutely right there, Brian. People have said, oh, we just put five girls together. We'll have uh, three or four white girls. We'll have a black girl. We'll have a ginger girl. Mm. We'll have a sporty girl. A young we'll, one, baby uh, one. Yeah, we'll cover every demographic. But they're not the first to try that. But the difference with Simon Fuller was, and I know Simon Fuller, this famous man, this genius marketer who came up with Pop Idol. That yes. was his brainchild and so on, became a ridiculously wealthy man. He is demonized to a certain extent for killing the music business in many ways. But as you rightly say, Brian, love him or loathe him, this was a two-year marketing product process. I mean, we're here on Money FM, but as a business model, as a pop business model, it was nigh on flawless, wasn't it? Very true. But the other, taking that point further, what's really important that we have to understand and think about is the word inspiration. And we talked a second ago about girl power. And one of the most important things that evolved from the Spice Girls' immense popularity is inspiration. And it's not just inspiration on a musical level, but it's inspiration particularly um, uh, for all of the, the young girls and young women at the time to actually see success and taking power over their own lives. And it was very, very important. And so they were very important and influential at the time, exactly the same way Taylor Swift has been in the last 10 years, where whether you like her music or not, and, and I think her music is fantastic, but what she's done is she's inspired so many young girls to actually pick up a guitar or start playing piano, and we have no idea at this point in time how many great songs and artists and, and things we're going to see over the next couple of decades of inspired young people that were inspired by Taylor Swift or at the time the Spice 
skills. And funny that you say that, Brian, because my daughter, I've got a nine-year-old daughter and, you know, Niels is almost 11. She loves, uh, you know, Taylor Swift and she loves the Spice Girls. And it's something about that, you know, lightning in a bottle that Neil mentioned before that has just grabbed my daughter. And, you know, we, we listen to Spice Girls song and she goes, oh, I can hear that Sporty Spice singing now. And then she'll say, no, that's, uh, you know, that's Posh Spice and that's Baby Spice. And, and it's incredible that 20 years later, after I worked in London and I was at the BBC and I remember seeing the Spice Girls from a distance coming on top of the pops and there was that whole Brit pop explosion. And here we are in 2019 and I have a nine-year-old getting excited about it. Yeah, and you're old and Spice. comes down to great songs. You know, we're listening to, still listening to songs by Jerry and the Pacemakers, by Hokey Carmichael and by Beethoven because a, a great tune is a great tune. Yeah, and on that point, you said about inspirations. I can give you arguably the most famous female vocalist on the planet, which is Adele. Adele has mm. very publicly said many, many times she was a young girl when the Spice Girls came along, massively influential on her career. In fact, when she did you know, James Corden's uh, Carpool Karaoke, yep. she sang a Spice Girls song to show her influence uh, and her gratitude to them. So, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And also, interestingly... This band comes sort of 10 years after the stock Aitken and Waterman phenomenon, which for Singaporeans are not familiar. That was very much very mass-produced. Rick Astley and Kylie Minogue. Yeah, all and... of those guys. So was, you didn't even have to sing, really. They had auto-tune. Mm. It was all synthesized and so on. Produced some good hits as well. But with this particular band, okay, didn't necessarily write their songs, but they could all sing. Victoria, maybe not so much. By she was own, the weakest singer, own, no by, doubt. By her own omission. But, but, <laughs> but Mel C, Mel C is a terrific oh, vocalist. Wonderful. Mel B's a good singer. The other two can hold a tune. So if nothing else, they were actually half decent singers, weren't they, Brian? Very much so. And I don't mean to sound bitchy, but uh, when Taylor Swift first toured Australia, I saw her at a, a very small venue uh, which holds, I don't know, maybe 1,000, 1,500 people. This is on her first tour of Australia. And it's been well noted that Taylor Swift is not the world's best singer. Mm. So that's not overly important because when you're an entertainer, when you're an artist, it's about the overall package. It's about the songs, the presentation. And voices go uh, in and out of clarity, let's say. And so it's about the overall thing. You can have the world's best singer up on stage, but if they've got a rubbish song, they're still going to sound pretty average. I can give a very good example of that. Morrissey from the Smiths. I used to be a huge fan mm. of Morrissey till he went all right-wing and weird. But I saw him in Singapore, impeccable vocals. I mean, extraordinary vocals. But honestly, yep. he was putting a glass eye to sleep. And I'm a fan of Morrissey. I like Morrissey. Equally, around the same time, I saw the Stone Roses. Now, Ian Brown, the lead singer of the Stone Roses, frankly, has a voice like a goose farting in the fog. But, <laughs> but it was an extraordinary gig. It was an absolutely extraordinary gig. You know, you don't go to a Stone Roses gig to see or listen to Ian Brown's vocals. As you rightly say, yep. it's all about the complete whole package. And the Spice Girls had it, didn't they? They certainly did. And I think it was wonderful for the music industry as well. And when you actually have an act like that, an iconic act that actually gets the media attention of the world on an ongoing basis as well, that's wonderful because it shines the light on my beloved music industry and it makes people's lives better and happier. And they got all of the plaudits that they deserved except Sometimes the music industry can go just a little bit overboard. And uh, when they performed at the 2000 Brit Awards, they received a Lifetime Achievement Award. 
Now, I'd like to know what you guys think of that. I always think that a Lifetime Achievement Award after, you know, two or three albums and, look, a lot of sales might be just a little bit over the top. What do you guys think? No, it's completely. It's like when footballers write autobiographies <laughs> when they haven't finished puberty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's absolutely absurd. No, I'm with you on that one. But the one thing I was going to say, and I've just remembered this, one of the highlights of the Spice Girls for me was watching the magnificently awful movie, Spice World. Ooh, oh, oh, okay. Well, I was going to talk about this. When I say spectacularly <laughs> awful, I mean in a good way. I mean yeah. in a good... Oh, here we go. It's like, yeah, a, yeah. like a car crash. Yeah, you just can't stop watching it. In a it. great way, because I saw that with my wife in the cinema mm-hmm. in Topayu in Singapore. <laughs> it was a packed house. There was Meatloaf driving a bus. There was Roger Moore <laughs> pretending to be Blofeld. There was a young Dominic West before he became famous for the Wire. He mm. was a photographer. There was Richard E. Grant. Yep. I think he was their manager. That's it, right. Yeah. Jennifer Not Saunders his best role. pops up. Elton John is the only person in the world who can't play Elton John. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, did it, he yeah. did it recently in the Kingsman, Kingsman movie. Right. And he, was aw- right. he was awful playing himself. But it was laughter, non-stop laughter. So you've got to remember, you've got two white guys, me and my, my wife, two Angmores, but you've got a Singaporean audience, young Singaporean audience, as I remember, all ages, all races, laughing. And I laughed through that movie, legitimately, mm. not like ironically or sarcastically. Yeah. I laughed through that mo- movie more times than an average comedy. It was just wow. good fun. You know, they never I, took themselves seriously. Well, I'm, I'm glad you actually pulled the steering wheel a little bit back to the right. <laughs> because the, I thought the, bus. The, the movie was so much fun. And it's so much better than the crappy movies we get to see nowadays where the accent is just on special effects and they think that the movie will just pull itself through. I thought that that um, uh, Spice Girls movie was a lot of fun. I think it still stands up today because the girls were having a great time. It, it wasn't taken overly seriously. And, yes, so all of those people, those famous people, with their uh, small but notable parts in the movie, along with great songs, uh, if you've got it in your DVD collection, go and drag it out after this and go and have a watch. It's I'm going to get it. Well, we're going to say goodbye with goodbye. Thank you so much to uh, Brian Harris uh, for joining us on Money FM as we remember the 21st anniversary of the Spice Girls breaking up.